I'm Joel. And this is Sunday School Cinema. Yay! Just the two of us this week. Uh, <laughs> As usual, yeah. Yes, last week, though, we got to have Emily Rose on, and that was a delight. Um, probably, possibly the only guest this podcast will ever have. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, that seems likely enough. <laughs> uh, well, this week, we are talking about the 1998 film Pleasantville, which I had watched a few years ago, like maybe like four or five years ago. Had you watched it since? No, I, I'm pretty sure that I only saw this one the one time. Okay. Cause it, it, it really did not, I did not remember it very well other than like the basic outline. Okay. And I know I hadn't seen it before and I, we may have we may have watched it twice because we did that some we did we tried to like watch the movie before the group so that we could come up with yeah some talking points but we didn't always end up doing that so I, we may have done that and if we did I watched it twice but I haven't watched it since so yeah. okay um broad strokes what did you think <laughs> it is a very weird movie yeah that was that was kind of my biggest takeaway it is a bizarre the fact that this movie was made by like a major studio with like big movie stars and like these, apparently this movie because of the 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 way the plot plays out basically every shot in the movie from like the 30 minute mark onward has visual effects in it so until the phantom menace came out the next year at the time this movie came out it had more visual effects shots than any movie ever made so it must have been insanely expensive, and it's such a weird movie. Well, and honestly, the visual effects parts hold up really well. Like, for the most part, yeah. For the most part, they really do. Um, impressively so for a movie that is, you know, over 20 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember when I first saw this movie. I would have seen it before we watched it for group. Um, yeah. I remember when it came out, I was 14, I remember that Medved really didn't like it. Of course, yeah. Um, and, you know, disparagingly talked about how it was just about, like, tearing down Judeo-Christian values and how... Which, to be fair, I mean... Kind of. He, kind I mean, of what, he was, uh, what he was obsessed with was the idea that sex <laughs> was the was the thing that woke everyone up, even though that's right. explicitly Which is, not yeah, the thing. <laughs> incorrect reading, yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember that... Um, my friend Amanda at the time and someone from our church went to go see it, I think. And I was just like, no, I would not watch that movie. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think I watched it till I was like in my late teens, early twenties. I really loved it when I watched it when I was younger. I still really, really love like the first, I love the first act still. And like solidly a lot of the second act, the third act, I think, falls apart. I think I think maybe the I think the third act maybe uh reaches into some territory that it would have been better off not. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I I still really liked it overall. I still thought it was it was pretty effective overall. But we should probably cuz the plot of it is like <laughs> it's so it's such a it's like a little kids movie kind of concept. Like right. these these two these two siblings who are like high school they were twins right so they They're were twins, twins. So they were like seniors in high school or juniors maybe yeah i think and uh <clears throat> and they're they're kind of like she's like the popular girl and he's the nerdy introvert who's super obsessed with this old like 40s 50s sitcom called pleasantville 50s 1958 and like right it's like a leave it to beaver uh yeah andy griffith show type thing uh and they have one night their their mother has gone out on a date and there is a pleasant film marathon happening that he is all set to watch. Well, she's and there is a, for the weekend. So right. they have a whole weekend. And and there's like a there's a concert on MTV, apparently, <laughs> that she has invited this guy over yes. to, quote unquote, watch with her. Yep. And so they get into a fight about who gets to have the TV and they break <laughs> the TV remote. Yeah. And then fucking Don Notch shows up at their door as a TV repairman. Yeah. Like, out of, like, they didn't call anyone. He just knocks on the door. Driving and the creepiest the, van that I have ever yeah. seen. This, like, van that has a family watching television who all look like they have no eyes. They're just, like, right. dead-eyedly grinning at the television together. Right. And, uh, 
he gives them this remote that is he tells them is like an extra powerful remote or something. Yeah, I don't know what that and means. <laughs> they immediately go back to fighting over it, and they manage to push a couple buttons on it that send them into the TV into this television show, Pleasantville. Well, kind of. They're fighting over it at the same time that the siblings in Pleasantville are right, fighting over it. Right, that's right. In something. the episode are, are fighting over it, yeah. yeah. So they go into this, into this show and, like, replace the the sibling characters on the show. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's such a, like, little kids movie premise. Like, you have this weird sort of magical thing that transports them into, you know, a, a, a television show or whatever, a book whatever and for the first most of the first act that's even kind of the tone of it a little yeah although it's you know it's like people are swearing and stuff so like it's definitely not a kids movie yeah no initially (laughs) they're sort of weird they're wandering around and like toby Maguire plays the the brother and reese witherspoon plays the sister and you know they're sort of wandering around and and seeing all of this stuff like right the and fire he's very department. excited about he's it. thrilled after he figures out what's going on because of course this is like his favorite tv show and he knows everyone and he you know knows everything that's going to happen and right and what i think the movie actually didn't do like a great job of drawing out is that like he is like because honestly this is a weird show for a high schooler to be obsessed with you know there's, there's, a, there's no irony to it he's not like he's not like i mean and in fact reese witherspoon even points that out at some point like you don't like this because it's weird or still you just really like this um, <laughs> and i think I mean, it's clearly supposed to be like an es- like escapist right. kind of thing like their home life is kind of fucked up in i mean i guess kind of generic ways honestly but like yeah. their dad is gone and their mom is you know yelling at him on the phone to come visit his kids and and his twin sister has gone off and become a popular girl. <laughs> so he's, and he's like verging on insult territory a little yeah. bit. <laughs> like, so it's like this whole thing. And he, and he, he, he's supposed to, this, this, uh, Pleasantville marathon has a, has a contest of some kind. Right. You win like a, a thousand dollars. Expecting to be able to win. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but yeah, so they're like wandering around Pleasantville and like, well, first there's a breakfast scene where the mom makes like, <laughs> It's an insane amount of food. Insane. It's like piling the plate with like all these eggs and sausage and bacon and, right. and pancakes. Uh, Joan Allen plays the mom. Uh, right. She's and great. William H Macy is the father. William yeah. H Macy is the father, and uh, Jeff Daniels is sort of the one of the other major the soda shop owner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and honestly, I mean, that is just the, like a lot of the cast are people who were like kind. Of, like, there's several Buffy people in here. Um, yeah, I noticed small it. roles yeah. Um, yeah. that uh, Mark Lucas, who play who doesn't he's not even named he's his character's named Basketball Hero, but um, yeah. he's uh, he's in there. Um, also, uh, Danny Strong, um, who also doesn't have a name. Yeah, he's yeah, just jukebox boy. <laughs> right. Um, but it's a lot of like faces that if you were like familiar with with television and stuff at the time would have seemed familiar. Also, Paul Walker plays one of the. There's just there's a lot of people that are uh maggie lawson who is she was on psych and i mean she that was after this but right she's definitely recognizable now i don't know if anyone would have known her at the time but yeah no it's it's definitely it's a there's a lot of interesting names in the cast um but yeah so they're like so after the crazy breakfast they're like wandering around and like the fire department shows up to rescue a cat which we later find out is basically all they do um and right because there's no fire nothing burns you can't burn it like a pleasant film yeah Uh, (laughs) <laughs> all of the all of the people like all of the basketball kids make perfect uh perfect uh shots every time uh, even even toby mcguire's character he's just like messing around testing it and making goofy shots and it hits every time yeah yep. um that when they teach geography in school the geography is just the geography of the two streets in their town <laughs> and when reese asks what's outside of pleasantville they like look at her like she's crazy and her like she's like what happens when you get to the end of main street and they're like everyone knows what happens to the end of main street it just starts over again right it loops back like you're in uh uh pac-man or something you know <laughs> All the, all the, there is a library that has books, but all the books are blank. There's nothing in them. Right. So, you know, it's a little eerie. And Reese Witherspoon is bothered by it. And Toby McGuire is like, no, this is great. We just have to, <laughs> have to play along for a while. Anyway, and then Reese, they are in the episode in which Reese is asked out by Paul Walker, um, otherwise known as, um, for some reason, I only remember Whitey, even though we only 
actually meet Whitey once or twice, but just because they kept saying Whitey's cookies. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're trying to remember his character's name, is it? Skip. Skip. Yeah. Skip asks her out. And she, and like, you know, she's getting ready for the date and whatever. And like, what they're finding out is that if, if they try to do anything, like, that goes off script, it really seems to, like, like deeply fuck with these people's lives. Like, like Toby is late for work, and Jeff Daniels is the social shop owner. It's just saying, they're like, I didn't know what to do. You come, and you put out the napkins and the silverware, and then I do the fries or whatever. But you didn't come, so I just kept wiping the counter. <laughs> Right. And he's like wiped the paint off in the spot that he's on. Yeah. And, and Toby's like, okay, like if this ever happens again, you can put down the fries, even if I haven't put out the napkins yet. <laughs> and he's like, oh. yeah. So like, you know, there's, there's some weird dynamics to this. And Reese is sort of the one who initially sets everything off incorrect, like sets everything off by going out with Skip taking him up to Lover's Lane, where I guess kids go to hold hands. Right, it's like this idyllic pond out in the woods outside of town or whatever, and generally people just sit in their car and listen to music and hold hands. That's the, yeah. the 50s sitcom version of Lover's Lane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, But she's like, no, screw that, and she starts making out with him. He freaks out when he gets an erection. <laughs> it's like, I think I'm sick. I think I'm supposed to go home. And she's like, no, that's supposed to happen. What are you talking about? Um, so yeah, so she starts it off with the sex stuff, but um, slowly people and things like when when Paul Walker when Skip is on his way home from fucking around with her that night, he looks over and he sees everything is in black and white. And he looks over and he sees a rose that is actual red, right? Um, and that sort of slowly starts happening is that things around town start turning colors and eventually people start turning colors often from sex, but not exclusively from sex. <laughs> right. And, it, and mostly the teenagers to begin with. It's mostly the teenagers. They're the ones that are right. Word, word gets around about the sex happening at lover's lane right. and they all start doing it. And it becomes a, yeah. And to be fair, it's not, I mean, it's not, while well, the sex obviously was a huge focus for the people we grew up with. Um, it's also, like, you know, they they ask about, like, certain books and the kids remember whatever right. they remember. The books, the books start filling in and everyone's reading at the library. <laughs> right. And at Lover's Lane, they start taking books out there and reading to each other. That's part of the... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we, were like, we started watching this and Eric is like, I can't believe you watched this with your dad. I kept thinking that, too. And yeah. I was like, no, what happened? Just like, what? I didn't. Because I was thinking about the first time I watched it. And he was like... Why are we watching this again? <laughs> and I was right. like, oh, right. Because it's our group in which we definitely watched this with Dad. <laughs> yep. We, we watched Joan Allen masturbate in a bathtub with right. Dad. Right. That was what I was about was, to get to. Yeah. That Joan <laughs> Allen asks Reese, like, what is it that you kids do up at Lover's Lane? Is it like holding hands, stuff like that? And Reese is like, yeah. And, you know, are you sure you want to know this? And she was like, yes. <laughs> She's like, sex. Right. What's sex? And so then she said, you know, in sort of what's supposed to be like a cute turnaround, she sits down and is like, when two people love each other very much. Right. Um, and we don't actually see her going through the whole the whole thing. But at the end of it, Joan Allen is just sitting there looking stunned. And she's like, what is it? And she's like, well, it's just your father would never do that. <laughs> and she's like, OK, well, you know, mom, you don't need dad to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> and then presumably explains to her how masturbation works, which we also don't see. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that night, Joan Allen goes up instead of going to bed. Um, she gets in the bathtub and begins the most sedate masturbating that anyone has ever done. Um, and says a lot of, oh, my goodness, which is cute. And as she orgasms, the tree outside of their house catches fire. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jake has, uh, <laughs> um, Toby has to go and find uh, the fire department and keeps yelling fire and they don't know what he means until he yells cat and then he has to show them how to use the hose. So, I mean, things just kind of like escalate. Joan Allen is maybe in love with Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels loves to paint and starts painting things. There's a lot of tension in the town about, you know, these kids doing all this stuff and things aren't how they used to be and whatever. Um, also, Joan Allen becomes in color after she 
after she right. masturbates, but yep. is covering her face up with makeup. Honestly, like, William H. Macy's role in this movie is so funny. Yeah, he's <laughs> great. He's perfect for this. Because he is just like, why are things changing? And it's not fair that things are changing. Right. Like, everything is going so well. And, like, when the mayor or whatever, or he, I think he's the mayor. Yeah, the mayor, yeah comes to see him and he's like maybe I could have some of whatever the fuck the mom's name is um, maybe I could have some of her delicious you know whatever and he's just like he's like sure honey honey and he presumably <laughs> calls her waiting in the for an the hour her, yeah. he presumably calls her for an hour because while he's calling her and she is not responding <laughs> Toby goes in there and is just like figures out that she's in color, does a very like beautifully scored scene in which he shows her how to cover her face with makeup. <laughs> right. And then sends her, and then she goes out with snacks. So like such a and the whole time he's just going, Honey Honey, where are you? <laughs> Right, and looking increasingly confused and yeah. Yeah, just like confused and sad, which like he's very good at. Mm-hmm. Um and then, so that's kind of his, yeah, that is kind of his, I think that's his, he has like, he has resting, confused, and sad face, yeah. I think. That's, and then she goes to see Jeff Daniels and ends up stuck there. And he goes home and all the lights are out. And he's like, honey, you know, he hangs up his coat, hangs up his hat, goes, honey, I'm home. And nothing happens. And so you see him like mimicking, hanging his coat, hanging his hat, right. turning around, honey. I'm home, and then he wanders around the house saying, "Where's my dinner?" And very various- right, he's like wandering through the kitchen like a ghost, looking in the oven for his dinner. And, <laughs> and he's just, his tone keeps changing, and it's it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, and then that night it starts raining, which it has never rained in Pleasantville before, and no one's super thrilled about that. <laughs> um, except the kids. The kids enjoy it once. Yeah, the kids get into it. it. That's it. Won't kill them. Anyway, things sort of you know get more intense and there's a trial (laughs) well we get as things start going downhill the mayor sort of like organizes the 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 real citizens the people who are still in black and white right and uh you know has this rally essentially like our world is changing and we need to stop it and you end up with this uh i think this is where the movie starts yes maybe overreaching itself a bit uh the town, you know, business owners around town start putting up signs in their windows that say no coloreds. Yep. Uh, it should be specified. <laughs> there is no one in the right. movie who is not white as fuck. Exactly. Yeah. The, every single person in this town is white, which makes sense considering the 50 sitcom thing. Right. But it also makes for like an, a very uncomfortable. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. it, I don't know that they could have done it without going for that metaphor really but it makes it very uncomfortable when all of the people are in fact white yeah no, it doesn't land and it's honestly it's it's pretty it becomes like the further it goes the less clear it is to some extent like what like you know there's a general concept that like people are becoming color instead of black and white when they like find the thing that they are passionate about they find something that like wakes them up inside um but it's not it's not always a good thing because the mayor like loses his whole fucking temper no it's, but I, I think that's i mean i think that's a that's a nice touch actually that it, it doesn't have to be a, a positive experience right but so, um, like i mean so we know it's not just sex like for jeff daniels it's painting for reese witherspoon it's actually finding out that she likes to read right um, she had this whole thing of like, I'm having more sex than all these people. Why am I still in black and white? Right. <laughs> it's, it's changing everyone else to color, and I'm still in black and white. What's going on? She reads Lady Chatterley's Lover or something. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and you know, and refuses to go out with Paul Walker because she wants to stay home and read, and he's pretty mad about that. Um, there's a whole scene where they're like burning. He stays black and white. Yeah, he stays black and white. There's a whole scene where they're like burning books in the town square. Right, and breaking windows and businesses and all that, it's clearly supposed to be very reminiscent. You know, it's supposed to be – it's its a, a, a fascist riot, essentially, which is – Right. It's its kind of interesting because I, I do think there there's something interesting there because, you know, the, the whole thing that changes people is, like, new experiences, like experiencing new feelings. Right. 
changes people. But none of these people who are like smashing windows and burning books change because of it. <laughs> so there's, I think there's something interesting there about the, the mm. sort of like underlying fascism inherent in the like the the orderly sitcom world that these people live in. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. I think that I mean, like you know, there's a whole scene where the freaking one of the boys drives by and like gives Toby McGuire shit about being with his colored girlfriend. It's right. uncomfortable. Whitey. Whitey. That was Whitey. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. uncomfortable. And like in the trial seat at the end, they have the people who are not in black and white sitting in the upper level, just like it's. That was uh, uh, Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. I mean, that was that <laughs> that initial shot of the of the courtroom was, I think, I think copied from To Kill a Mockingbird, where yeah. you have the. What would you say? See, here's here's one issue that I had. Actually, what is Tobey Maguire's arc? What is the thing that makes him turn into color? Yes, right. Because literally, what it is is that he sees the the mother getting uh, chased by a group of the the, the still black and white boys uh, harassing her, and he charges over and punches the the leader in the face, and they and right. chases them off. So I guess it's. Well, no, that, see, that doesn't work. Like, I, I mean, it's kind of like him, him asserting himself, I guess, or like standing up for something. But I don't, I don't think that quite works though, because he's, nope. he's not, he has not been like a, you know, he's not like getting picked on at school or whatever. Yeah, and he's not he's like not... a refuses to speak out for himself kind of person because he's had this, this thing going with with Jeff Daniels' character the whole movie where Jeff Daniels is like, I don't know what to do. And he used to be like, Dude, you just, <laughs> you just have to do it. Like, right. He's been, yeah, so I was a little unclear on that as well, because he's like the last person or the last character to, to change. What's partly frustrating about this to me is that essentially, like, Toby is mostly our, our point of view character, and I don't think he should have been. I think it should have been Reese Witherspoon, who has a much clearer arc, uh, <laughs> like, and whose story is more interesting than Toby's in a lot of ways. Um and I, like I thought it was weird because like he is our main character for some reason more or less and and like his his story is so muddy to me that like I can't figure out what is happening but whatever like yeah he helps Jeff Daniels like paint a mural after they break right the window. he he kind of discovers Jeff Daniels character what, what was his character's name uh, Mr uh, Johnson. Right. He kind of discovers that that Mr. Johnson has this love of art because he's talking to him and he tells him about how he looks forward to Christmas every year because he gets to paint a, a Christmas design on the window and it's and he gets to do it different every year. It's the only thing in his life that isn't just the same every day. And he looks forward to it all year. And he's starting to wonder if maybe it's ridiculous to, to, to limit that to once a year if right. it's the only thing he likes doing. And, you know, so Toby Maguire's character does he 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 encourages this. He goes to the library and gets him an art book. He gets him this big like, coffee table book with prints of famous works of art. And it inspires him to start doing more paintings. And I mean, I guess that in talking this out, I guess that one could say that part of Tobey Maguire's arc is that he's like, that he understands that like real life and all of its messiness is actually better and more beautiful or whatever than this world right. he's been using to escape into. Um, I'm still not sure how that exactly leads to him becoming color when he defends um, his mom. But yeah, but I, I, I suppose that's kind of his like, you know, he thought this was like a perfect thing. He really fought to preserve it for a while. And then understanding that, I mean, I guess to some extent he starts to understand that people are people. <laughs> right. And it's literally him fighting to preserve the messy version of it rather than the. Right. Yeah, I mean, I so I, I guess that that follows. It's a little, it's a little muddled, though. Anyway, so they they have this big thing and, in court, and he makes his dad turn color instead of black and white by giving him a speech about how much he misses and loves his wife. And then he makes the mayor mad, and the mayor becomes color, and then everyone is color, right. and then the whole town is color. Um, <laughs> There's a few other like fun to, like they they make a big deal of like you know all of the beds are single beds and then like one of the things that right. changes in the town the is furniture the furniture store starts selling double beds double yeah. beds <laughs> and like the mayor at some point says to to William H Tracy like you know Dan or whatever his wife wants him to get one of those new beds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, there's there's some fun stuff like that. The, the visual effects, as I said, really do hold up remarkably well overall. Um, and it, it's very pretty. It's a very pretty movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a very the, the black and white is very striking. And it's, you know, for most of the movie, it's kind of mixed in with the colors and mm-hmm. it's all pretty seamless. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's. And I, I definitely, for sure, for the first act to two acts, I still find it pretty, pretty, like, it's, like, it is, to some extent, a, a to a lot of extent, like, a white person's vision of, like, a certain thing. And that is clear, I think, <laughs> in watching it. But I think that watching it now, and watching it when I was younger, watching it when we were doing this group, like... I think that it was another one of those things that would have spoken really directly to where I was at mm-hmm. at the time of like, okay, but like, like we are being raised in black and white. Like that is what is happening. Anything outside right. of this is seen as dangerous, is seen as, you know, something that is going to ruin things. Our father actively like talks sort of wistfully about how much better things were in the 50s. <laughs> Not that he remembers that, but like the idea. No, but the idea of it, like he would talk about that, and like you know, and being like, okay, but like this isn't like the world that we're experiencing. Like this isn't the world I want to live in, really. Maybe even though, like, I'm told that it's better. The other thing that stands out to me a great deal watching it at this point is how fucking straight it is and how stupid. No, that I, seems. I definitely had that thought too. That every single person was pairing off with <laughs> someone of the, the opposite sex. Yeah, there wasn't a single queer character. I mean, honestly, in my opinion, Reese should have been bi. Yeah, I mean, that would that would just yeah, if they made it today, I suspect that would be I mean, there's a lot of I don't think they could make it today for various no. reasons. Uh, <laughs> just they, they'd never get funding for it. And it would it would just yeah, but I agree that would that would have made more sense. And if it, it feels like one of those like that would have been they never could have gotten it made if they had gone for that. No, for you know? sure. But like looking at it, I'm just like, like she should have been by and she should have followed for a girl and a book. She should have followed but, for both of those things. <laughs> That's what should have happened. Yeah. Um, because weirdly, at the end of this movie, Reese Witherspoon's decides to stay in the 50s in Pleasant. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't remembered that. That I don't quite understand how that's supposed to work. So, like, she's just gone from the real world? I guess. Although, although I guess, like, there's also clearly, like, a time moves differently kind of thing. Because he was only gone for an hour. Right. Even though it was several days in the... Pleasantville world. Might have been a couple weeks. But she's planning on, like, going to college. She does go to college. We see her talking about, like, years there. So, yeah, yeah, I was unclear on how exactly that was. Like, what does Toby tell his mother? Right, yeah. Because what happened, we don't see Toby tell his mother. Instead, we see him come home, and his mom is crying um, at the table, and she's just like, you know... The guy that were the the guy that she was gonna go away with for the weekend or whatever. She's like, I just was like, what am I doing? I think she says he's seven years younger than me or not. I think nine years younger. And, yeah. and she's forty, and I'm like, dude, that's not. Yeah. I made out with someone the other day who's eleven years. <laughs> well, but what she, she she also said the she said something along the lines of like, it doesn't make me feel younger; it just makes me feel older. Sure. Like <laughs> that it was it was it wasn't like she was necessarily that she had like an ethical objection to the age. No, she was, she was trying to like find something that it wasn't giving her or whatever. Right. Um, and so Toby Maguire has sort of a mirror moment that he had with his, his mom in the show of like wiping off her face and telling her she's beautiful and being like, you know, like there is no, she's like, I was supposed, you know, I thought I had my life all together. I had the right car and the right house and everything was good. And he's like, there isn't a right car or a right house. There's just like things just are what they are. There's not like a way that things are supposed to be that you're not matching up to. That's not what's happening. So we never see him tell his mom that his sister is not returning. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We just don't deal with the complications therein. But yeah, no, I still think I still think overall it's I, I still think it it hold, most of it holds up pretty well. Just the end struck me more. I yeah, I still really like it overall. In large part, just because it is so weird and it, it's like just fascinating on the like <laughs> it, it's I I can't think of another movie like it. No, it's very like I guess you can kind of get in like broad strokes the sort of message of it. I think you can get similar things from like the Truman Show maybe. 
Sure. Uh, which also, I mean, obviously the sort of sitcom milieu of, of the Truman Show. And, but that's another, like, that's another movie that I feel like no one would make that movie today. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I, I still, I, I like this one a lot still. Good. Uh, in fact, more, more than I did the first time, I actually raised my rating of it. Uh, what did you land at? I put it at a, a four out of five, which I had it at three and a half before. But. Yeah, I think I, I, yeah, I also put it at a four. And I think I had it at 4.5 before, though. I really, really liked it. No, I think overall, it's it still holds up. It's definitely still worth watching if you never saw it, like, growing up, I think. It's for sure. It is a weird movie that is, like... <laughs> I don't know. What do you think we talked about? I don't remember. I, don't, I mean, I, yeah, I have no idea. Because, I mean, for sure, the reason that we were able to watch a movie in which sex was so central, really, to the plot in a lot of ways, is that it's non-graphic sex, for the most part. Like, there's a lot of, like... Right, it's a PG-13 movie. It's PG-13. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, you know, scenes of, like, girls in poodle skirts and stuff, like, with their legs up in the air in the car. Um, but we don't, like, we don't see anything. Like, every, even with Joan Allen's, like, thing in the bathtub, all we see is her face. Right. But it's still, like, a lot to imply... I was trying to think if we had watched another movie with Dad that had implied masturbation. <laughs> I'm not sure that this movie would get a PG-13 today, because I feel like they've gotten stricter about yeah, sexual content in PG-13s uh-huh. since uh, since the 90s, which is weird. But Oh, and there's also the interesting thing at the end where <clears throat> Joan Allen is like sitting next to William H. Macy on the bench... And is like, you know, what? I don't know what's going to happen now. Do you know what's going to happen? And he's like, no, I don't. And then it like pans over to Joan Allen and then it pans back and it's Jeff Daniels. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure what was supposed to be happening there. That threw me a little bit. Yeah, I'm like, okay, he's in the same spot. So they're not in a triad as best I can tell. No. no. <laughs> like, it was, I don't know. It was supposed to be like an artistic way of being like, we don't know who she chooses. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It's- it was weird. Yeah. William H. Macy truly is like, I cannot imagine anyone better for this role. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Every I mean, single time. He like, after he's, she's not home, he like runs to the bowling alley and he's just like freaking out and soaking wet. And then he tells this dramatic tale of how he came home and there was no dinner. Right. And all the other dudes are like, oh, my God, there was no dinner. And then the mayor makes this other yeah. guy stand up and, sh- and take his jacket off and show that his wife left an iron bird on his shirt. Yeah. <laughs> also, though, the first two books that they read in this town are ta- are uh, no, it wasn't ta- Huckleberry, Finn. Huckleberry Finn, Huckleberry Finn and, um, and the fucking Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know. I just think it's weird. Like, I get mm, the whole Huckleberry Finn thing rubbed me a bit the wrong way. Again, just the the racial implications of this movie are complicated and hard to grapple with. Yeah. I mean, it's directed and written by Gary Ross, who's a very white man. Um, (laughs) Who, honestly, he's only directed six things. Yeah, no, I I was, yeah, I looked him up too. I don't know if he's done, like, TV shows stuff too but as far as movies he, he has not done that many no uh, Pleasantville Seabiscuit which I never this was his first movie which is also kind of impressive well first movie he directed yeah it looks yeah. like he wrote the screenplay for Big so he, he directed he directed Pleasantville Seabiscuit which I didn't see the first Hunger Games movie a documentary the cast interviews on Hunger Games Free State of Jones which I don't think I know what that is I remember that was it was kind of a flop if I remember correctly. It's about it's like a historical. I think it's a true story about a a guy uh, oh, yeah, during the Civil War who yeah he tries to like break off and start an independent nation. I think rather than than fight with the Confederacy. I think. Huh. All right. Well. But it wasn't supposed to be very good. It seemed like an interesting story, but it wasn't supposed to be very good. And then he also directed Ocean's Eight. It's sort of a weird. I don't know. It's an interesting um, collection of things. Yeah, I mean, and I would, you know, on one hand, like looking at his his the list of things here, it kind of seems like he's what's the term for it? Uh, he's just kind of like a hired gun that gets right. brought on to. But he he also has writing credits on all of those things, mm-hmm. so that, that doesn't quite add up. So I don't know. 
Yeah. No, it's interesting. And it's it's a movie that was written direct and directed by him. Like it, it was clearly his baby. Right. Anyway, um but yeah, overall definitely better than a lot of things we watched. Uh holds up way better. Um and complications aside, I think it's for sure worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. Anything else you want to add before we move on? I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right. Well, what are we watching next time? Uh, what what number are we at now? Uh, 73. Random number generator says 58. Signs. <laughs> oh, I've been looking forward to that one. <clears throat> I haven't seen it in so long, and I loved it so much when I was younger, and I really hope that I still like it. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched that Mel Gibson movie in oh, a long time. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think... Uh, I think I'll be able to manage it. <laughs> well, we'll get to talk about M. Night Shyamalan, and I have so many thoughts about M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the only Shyamalan we watched? Probably. I don't I don't know that he had anything else that would have been a, a an obvious fit. I mean, we should have watched his first movie, but I don't think I talked you into that. Oh. I don't know. I, I saw that. I don't remember. I can't even remember the name of it. But um, Wide Awake. Yeah, that sounds right. It's okay. We'll talk about it. Because <laughs> I had a lot of feelings about that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't. I don't remember it at all, but... Okay, well, signs it is, then. All right, well, we haven't recorded in a few weeks, so... Um, it's been like a month and a half, I think. <laughs> Probably. Like, I got vaccinated, and I could suddenly see people again, and it's been a lot. Yeah, that's... Um, but that means that we have a lot to talk about as far as what we've been watching. Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. Well, so movies... I think we talked about it in the Heights last time, right? Yes, because I had seen it, and I believe you had too. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so, that, that tells me where we are. Okay, things I have watched. Um, I watched the movie I Kill Giants... Um, because it was expiring off of Hulu. I think I saw that. Yeah, I... Yeah, I did see that. It was okay. It felt like a not-as-good version of A Monster Calls. Yes, that's exactly a lot better. what it like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, 100%. It was like, a, a, a Monster Calls had a thing that I won't give it away, but it had a thing that, like, sort of a, a revelation about what was really going on with this kid at the end Yeah. that really landed perfectly and made the whole thing feel a lot deeper and i kill giants was just like the same movie without that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least that was my feeling coming out of it there were some yeah. cool effects and stuff it it looked fine but it just wasn't it really did just feel like such a ripoff of a monster calls which came out the year before <laughs> that it was hard yeah. to whatever um <clears throat> i watched luca did you watch luca we did yeah i watched that one uh, i really liked it i really liked it, it, it too fun. Although it was probably my favorite Pixar since Inside Out. Yeah, but. no, I, I think. Well, I liked Onward a lot. Um, yeah, I liked Onward. I wish I'd gotten to see it in a theater. Uh, I'm, I did get to I'm see it. Annoyed that they released it only on on Disney Plus. Oh but. yeah, Luca. Yeah, I also wish that because it was so beautiful, mm -hmm. so gorgeous, and I would have loved to go see it mm -hmm. in a theater. But no, I was also annoyed. Disney, just make a gay fucking movie. Like just, just. I mean, stop. I don't know. They did. <laughs> Right, but like, stop making. Uh, I don't know. It was, you know, these these very hetero boys daydreaming about going through flowers together or whatever. I don't know, uh, but it's beautiful. Were they very hetero though? Well, I don't. No. I don't think they were. <laughs> they just won't just say it. Yeah, I guess. I mean. Anyway, whatever. I liked Luca a lot. It was very cute. Um, the first part of it, I was kind of like, I was a little unsure. I was like, this kind of feels just like the Little Mermaid, but boy. Um, yeah, no, I've heard, yeah, I've heard that comparison as well. Yeah, but I do think that as it as it goes on, it gets more of its own its own thing. And the animation mm -hmm. is just the animation is beautiful. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like they 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 have this they they sort of they become a fish when they're touched by water, and so there's a lot of like modeled <laughs> animation stuff. It's all it's all very lovely. Mm -hmm. um, I watched uh, Eric and I a couple weeks ago watched Red River that was next on Ebert's list, right. uh, which I hadn't seen it in a really long time, and I was worried that 
maybe I had liked it more than it deserved, but I didn't. It, it's still, it's a really fucking good movie. Um, except for the last five minutes, which are fucking terrible. But um, <laughs> but the rest of the movie is so good that it actually overshadows the last five minutes, which is not always the case. You, you know what I what I found in general? Uh, there are exceptions to this, but in general, what I have found about John Wayne movies, which when when I was a kid, me and our brother and our dad used to watch John Wayne movies all the time. Like we watched basically all of them that were available. Uh and what I'm, what I found to some degree, I haven't, I haven't rewatched most of them as an adult, but I've, I've seen some pattern where like the ones that I really loved as a kid don't hold up very well, and the ones that I thought were just okay as a kid are the ones that I really love as an adult. <laughs> uh, and Red River is one of those. I was not crazy about Red River when I was a kid, but I like it a lot now. It's remarkable. And also, speaking of gay, um, there is, there is an exchange. I did not remember this at all. I think I saw this movie over 10 years ago. I didn't remember. There is an exchange between, <laughs> between, uh, fucking, god damn it. What's the guy who plays the actually gay man? Wasn't it Jeffrey Hunter? No, Montgomery Clift. No, it was, uh, was it Rock Hudson? Montgomery Clift. Montgomery Clift, right. Okay. And he was, yeah, actually, it has been a while since I've seen it too, obviously. He was actually gay yeah. and died very sadly. And he does a phenomenal job. His performance in this movie is so good. But he, when it's him and this other hired gunman, uh, Cherry Valance, <laughs> they have a very sexually fraught, like, first meeting feeling. But then they have an exchange in which Cherry asks Matt, says, That's a good looking gun. Can I see it? And then Matt hands the gun over and then says, and then Cherry says, and you'd like to see mine? (laughs) (laughs) Cherry looks at Matt's gun and says, nice, awful nice. Then he looks very hard at Matt and says, you know, there are only two things more beautiful than a good gun, a Swiss watch or a woman from anywhere. You ever had a good Swiss watch? (laughs) I don't remember this. It is amazing. (laughs) There are multiple fantastic, uh, like, inter- exchanges between the two of them that just genuinely feel impossible to read as straight. Um, but that is probably the best one. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it's, wow. But it is, it really is just, like, a remarkable movie. I like it a lot. And then we went to go see Fast 9! Oh, boy. Fuck you and your cynicism. It was great. I was so worried that I wouldn't like it because I didn't love eight. I've seen it a couple of times and it just, it just didn't land for me, but I was so thrilled. Justin Lin is back directing and I feel that he is the person who understands what I love. Did he not direct eight? He did not. Um, no, he, he took either one or two. He might not have directed seven either, but he, right. Fast eight was the fate of the furious. My bad. Um, Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it was F. Gary Gray that directed Eight. Oh, okay. Um, and I just, I just don't think that he understands it as well in terms of what I love about. It. And James Wan directed Seven. Oh, okay. And I did like Seven. I just don't think I liked mm-hmm. F. Gary Gray very much. And then Jen, so Justin Lin, I think Justin Lin did Four, Five, and Six. Well, Three, Four, Five, and Six. Uh, or three, five, and six. Three, five, and six. And then he came back for this one, and it was everything that I wanted. I was so happy. It was just, it was just beautiful. They went to space. It was so good. I, of course they did. <laughs> it was just wonderful, and I loved it. Um, so ignore my cynical brother. These are wonderful it's, it's not cynicism. It is it is genuine dislike. You haven't <laughs> even watched most of them. No, I've watched two of them. Yeah, that's and nothing. I hated both of them. Uh, you didn't watch them with me, which was your mistake. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, and then we uh, Eric and I watched Carol, which I hadn't seen since theaters. I haven't seen since theater either. Hold that's up. a Christmas movie though. What are you doing watching that now? The next one on the film school rejects list. So oh, okay. That was why we watched it. It is a Christmas movie. I will agree with you on that. Yeah. Um, but uh, it it still holds Great up. Movie, though. Super good. Yeah. Beautiful. So fucking gorgeous. Oof. Mm-hmm. And then M and Mel and I watched Ten Things I Hate About You because M and Mel had never seen it. Um, it I still love that movie a lot, although. It definitely has all of the problems that a late 90s teen comedy 
already you. have, but whatever. Um, and then Em and I on last on the fifth watched the first Fear Street movie, and Eric and I watched the second one this last weekend. Okay. Um, I thought the first one was fucking great. I yeah. really loved it. It was like what I wanted Stranger Things to feel like, and it never does. Mm. Um, in I mean, partly in terms of just like it looked beautiful, it looked fantastic. They're all three directed by a woman, which is pretty cool. And, yeah, it's kind of her baby. I think the whole thing. Yeah, and it feels like it feels like she's a fan. Like if even though I never was like I never read the books, so I, I don't have any. I had never heard of these books until the. <sighs> See, neither the had Em. I think you're. Yeah, I think them. you're younger than me enough. They were a big deal when I was like eleven or twelve. Like most of the people yeah. I knew were reading them. Um, but I wasn't allowed to, of course. Uh, anyway, uh, so I, I love the first one so much. I love the, I, I loved the music cues. This is the thing that always annoys me this, in Stranger the, Things is that the music cues are the most obvious fucking music cues possible. Oh, come on. This Fear Street is not better about that. It is. It is. <laughs> in fact, it's worse about that because it literally. It played several songs that I had not heard in years. Okay, but it literally, I've never seen any other movie or TV show do this before. It's the weirdest thing. It literally drops needle drops on top of each other. Like, it'll play three songs in a row with nothing in between that are all, like, you know, famous needle drop songs. It'll just go straight from one to the other. It's the weirdest thing. I loved it. Um, anyway, I don't, I, I don't dislike it. I really, I really liked both of them actually, but it's, it's just very strange and I've never seen it before. I thought the second one was good, but not quite as good. And we'll see what the third one. Does. I mean, I, you know, I enjoy the, the whole homage thing. And the first one was very much scream. And the second one is very much Friday the 13th. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I'm not, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with the third one, which is like a, it looks like it's going to have like folk horror vibes in it, which is totally different from yeah, the other one. The third one is nine is, is six, 1666. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm very curious to see how that's going to go. I'm excited to see it, but yeah, no, I'm super, it's, it's a fun set. I'm, I'm glad they were able to do them. Um, and then also on Friday, Eric and I and Alex went to go see Black Widow. Oh, great. I think we're going to go see that tomorrow. I liked it a lot. Good. I've heard I, cried, most of I cried twice. <laughs> um, it is definitely the most I've liked a Marvel movie in a minute. It is very custom made for my exact shit. But like, um, also Florence Pugh is just she's yeah, so I mean, fucking charming. That's going to add a lot to yeah. It's 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 really fun and really good, and I liked it a lot. And I will not spoil it, but the the post credit scene is the first thing where, in order to fully know what's going on, you have to have watched one of the TV shows. Um, oh really? And I was okay. thrilled. About, I mean, you know, I obviously could look it up or right. whatever, and it's not like a huge thing. But I was thrilled that they like tied things close enough for that. Yeah, I figured I they felt would do that eventually. <laughs> Which one was it? Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. But okay. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's so good, and I had so much fun with it, and just just really really liked it which was such a such a delight i love it when i like things um so yeah so i think that's it for movies for shows i have mm, okay let's not talk about loki today because there's only one episode left left, and i don't know what's gonna happen but so far all i will say is that i still really love it yeah no me too it's yeah um i have been watching the new seasons of evil and the good fight uh which are both excellent um, great. And I have started rewatching Succession in preparation right. for season three. And I did think initially when I started watching, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to struggle to get through because I have sometimes have a hard time rewatching TV shows. But no, once I started watching it, that was basically all I wanted to watch. Um, <laughs> and truly, if you are listening to why haven't you watched Succession, if you haven't watched Succession, I genuinely like in terms of best television I have ever seen, it has got to be at least in the top three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like it is. Sure. Every note lands perfectly. Every like, just I have no notes. It's all fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of my friends just finished watching season two and was was messaging me while she was finishing the season finale, which I had been waiting for her to get mm-hmm. to. And she like finished it. Right. Like, I have to rewind that and watch it again right now. And I was like, yeah, no, that's yeah. basically what I did too. Just fantastic. Cannot wait for season three. And then I, I watched the first episode of the new Gossip Girl. Um, sure. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I like the kids pretty well. Spoilers for new Gossip Girl, I guess, because I want to be annoyed. Uh, so 
in and spoilers for old Gossip Girl. So in the original Gossip Girl, <laughs> all seven seasons, Gossip Girl was clearly one of the kids or someone who was like close enough to the kids to like get all this information. And even uh, even with that, she seems to have been some sort of omnipotent force. Um, and in the end of Gossip Girl, we find out that all along it was Dan Humphrey, <laughs> which. It's only funny if you've watched Gossip Girl, but it was really funny if you watch Gossip Girl. <laughs> and um, and honestly, a part of me, even though I knew they wouldn't do this, a part of me really wanted it to still be Dan Humphrey, that he'd just been like <laughs> following high schoolers for the last 20 years, because that actually makes sense. But it's not. Instead, they start out telling you who it is, which I think could work, but doesn't work super well, at least on the pilot episode, because it's not a kid. It's the teachers who are like mad at the students for being assholes to them. And I don't like that. And also the teachers are like weirdly cardboard cutouty, at least in the pilot. They're just badly done. So I don't, mm. I don't like that twist. Um, I'm hoping that they'll do some more with it as the show goes on. I will for sure keep watching for at least a while, but I know. <laughs> I was not a fan. So anyway. Um yeah, so I think that's that's most of what I've been watching. Uh watched more True Blood with Chris. Watched yeah, Pretty Little Liars with Eric. So nothing like nothing like too exciting other than that. So that's where I'm at. So Joel, what have you been watching? Uh you've been watching Betty, right? Oh yes, I have been watching Betty, yes. Right. So i yeah, I'm I actually there might have been a new episode last night. I what have night not watched whatever Whatever aired this weekend, I haven't seen yet, but I've, I've, I'm caught up with it other than that. I think it's coming uh, out on Thursday nights. I think that's the... No, because there wasn't... Well, you know what? Because the, the movie that we... Pleasantville that we just watched was on HBO Max. Right. Uh, and I so I went to that app this morning, and it didn't show a new episode. Well, there there is one that aired on the 9th. So, Friday? Oh, it's called weird. It didn't, sh it didn't show for me. Called Good Luck With That? I haven't watched it. Okay. Well, at any rate, yeah, I haven't watched that one yet. Um... But I watched the first three, mm -hmm. I think. No, if yeah. there's f the new episode is five. So okay, so I've watched the first four. Okay, are there only going to be six again this season? I don't know. You can check and see what's on. Oh, it's on. Yeah. IMDb. Well, anyway, uh, it's, it's still great. It it's is still one of the best things on TV. I love it. It's it's really it's so good and it's not like other things. It's such a it's such like it so clearly has like its own vision <laughs> for yeah. what it's doing and just. Yes, it looks like there's only going to be six. Okay, I guess that's not surprising, but it's kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've I've been, I've been rewatching Arrested Development lately. <laughs> I uh, I put it on during the uh, the big heat wave that we had uh -huh. a couple weeks ago because I wanted to have something on that was funny that I'd seen enough that I didn't have to pay too much attention to it. Uh, and I've just kind of kept watching it, so I, I think I'm into the third season now. Uh, Still love that show, although there's there are definitely elements of it that uh, uh, haven't necessarily aged super well, <laughs> but uh, it's very funny. I keep feeling like I should rewatch it, maybe, but I just didn't care about it the first time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I don't know if you. Honestly, it it's kind of like a a much more like low budget, overtly comedic succession, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know that you would you would necessarily agree with me on that. I think that's kind of I watched the first episode of um Underground Railroad, the Barry Oh Jenkins. yeah, I haven't watched that. I, I mean I, I saw such good things when it came out. Yeah. I've only I've only done the first episode yet. I haven't I haven't gotten back to it. It's it's kind of, I'm not quite sure what to expect at this point because the first episode was like a pretty straightforward uh, you know, the, this group of slaves on a plantation and a couple of them decide to escape together. Right. But the, I, well, maybe I won't say since you haven't watched it yet. There's, there's kind of a twist at the end of the first episode that makes me think that it's going to take on a, uh, uh, maybe, maybe almost like a magical realist quality. Oh, okay. Uh, which I wasn't expecting and I'm, it, it, it's interesting. I, I need to get back to it. Okay. But, um, I think that's kind of all I've been doing, uh, as for, oh, uh, I did start, Finally started the when uh, several months ago when they announced that Netflix was doing a Redwall show that they had a Redwall show in production. Uh, the guy who was making that had done uh, like a mini series for Cartoon Network called Over the Garden Wall that I had never heard of. But you've never heard when, of Over the Garden Wall? I had never heard of it before. But when they announced this Redwall thing, everyone was talking about how great it was. 
and I've been kind of meaning to check it out ever since. But it was it was on Netflix at the time, but then they took it down. Uh, but now it's on HBO, so I've I've been watching that. I think I've watched the first three episodes, and it's great. It's really good. I didn't really like enjoyed. it as much as a lot so, of people did, but I did like it. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a it's a very strange show. I've never seen yes. anything like it, but I really I'm really into it. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, May and I have been watching Kibo in the Age of Wonder Beasts, which I believe you watched. I did. Yeah, I think we're like four or five episodes into that, and it's a lot of fun. I really like it. Yeah, um, no, it's a it's really, a really cool, good show. Really cool designs and stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like I'm liking it a lot. Beautifully animated. Yeah, uh, I think that's it for TV. Um, okay. So I, I've been watching a ton of stuff on Mubi lately, mm-hmm. which I, I always watch a bunch of stuff on there. I talk about them pretty much every week. They should really sponsor us. You watch Wise Kids. You watch Wise Kids. I did. I'll get to that. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to start with the whole block of everything that I've watched on movie since the last recording, which is like <laughs> six. So, but I've been having trouble with their app hmm. and it's, it's so laggy that like I can watch like five minutes or something and then it'll, I'll get the spinning wheel and then that'll last for like 30 seconds and then I'll get like 10 seconds of play and I get the spinning wheel again. And the only thing I can do is pause it when that comes up for like 10 minutes and then I can get like eight minutes of watching time out of that. And then oh. it starts doing it again. And I cannot figure out what the problem is. I've tried reinstalling the app. I, I've I checked my like internet speed against their recommendations. I have like five times the internet speed that they say I need. So and none of my other apps are doing it. So it's not the internet. I cannot figure out what's going on with it, and it's driving me nuts. But they and, and they have so much stuff on there right now that I really want to watch. So it's like it's extra aggravating because yeah. I've been. Like when I, I, I watched, well, I'll get to it, but I watched The Wise Kids yesterday. It's a 95 minute movie. It took me over three hours to get through it. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, I, I haven't figured out a solution to this yet, but I, I I need to try watching it on some on another device, maybe, and see yeah. if, it, if it works better. But at any rate, so that's that is background for these. Uh, but they 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 currently have um, they have several movies by the. German director Christian Petzold. I don't know if you are familiar with him. Maybe. Uh, he, he's done, he, he's been working for quite a while, but he kind of just recently in the last few years kind of started making waves over here. I think he did a movie called Phoenix. Yeah. I saw uh, which Phoenix. Like you watched and one called transit, which was also really good. Like he had a couple in a row that got nominated for yeah, I remember people were really into Barbara too, which I don't think that's, I saw. that's one of the ones I watched. I'll get to that. You did see it. It looks like you oh, gave it three and a half. Well, um, <laughs> so the first one I watched was <laughs> earlier movie of his called "The State I'm In," um, that was about a couple who had been um, like left wing uh, terrorists in uh, in Germany during the uh, the Soviet Union and all that, or post Soviet Union, I guess uh, they had been. Um, was it the Bider Meinhof thing? Mm-hmm. They had been part of that, and they've they have this teenage daughter, and they've essentially been on the run for years with her um, in across Europe. And at the start of the movie, they have like they've just got everything in place for them to relocate to South America, and they have new identities and all that. And their hotel gets robbed, and they lose it all. And so the movie is them trying to, like, scramble to find the money to still go through with this plan. Uh, but it's all told from the teenage daughter's perspective, which is he does this. This is the thing that Petzl does is he does, like, genre movies that are told from, like, weird angles. Mm. Uh, he's re- and he's really good at it. And uh, it's, it was a really good movie. Mm. Um, and then I also did watch Barbara. That was the, his next one they had on there, which is about a, a doctor trying to escape. East Germany before the fall of the the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also really good. I like that one a lot. Um, and they they have a couple more of his coming up that I also really want to watch. We'll see if the if the app cooperates. But uh, uh, Mubi also had the um, what's his name, Elaine Renee uh, last year at Mary and Bad, uh, which I didn't really know a lot about, but it's one of those like it's in the book, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was in one movie's book. So I, I, you know, I generally take opportunities to watch those movies when they come up. Um, I've seen a few other of Renee's movies. He did Hiroshima Mon Amour, which I didn't love. And he did Night and Fog, which is that documentary about uh, concentration camps, which yeah. is 
uh, I mean, it's very, very hard to watch, but it's one of the best things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, last year at Marion Bad was uh, borderline unwatchable, in my opinion. I, mean, <laughs> I gave it one star. It was just, I hated it. I it it's the opposite. One? Uh, it doesn't look like it. Okay. No. It was it was the opposite of my kind of thing. Honestly, I just hated it. Okay. Um, but I'm glad that I have. It's out of the way now. I don't have to watch it again. Checked off the list. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also watched on there. They ha- have you seen the movie The Deep Blue Sea? Not Deep Blue Sea, the shark movie, but The Deep Blue Sea with Rachel Weisz and Tom Hiddleston. I think so. It looks like you have. Yeah. yeah, you hated it. Yeah. Um, so Terrence Davies, who's he's an interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm usually pretty. Yeah, I only gave it a three. I don't think it stood out to me particularly. Yeah. But uh, it's an interesting. Uh, it's, it's kind of about like post World War II England and uh, you know the 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 fallout from the the social shakeup that occurred as a result of the war. And it was good. I liked it. He's mm-hmm. he, he it's you know very like slow paced, kind of like classic Hollywood type of movie. Tom Hiddleston looks like he belongs in the late forties. He does. He's kind of a perfect perfect cast for that kind of thing. <laughs> and he plays this like guy who had been like a hotshot fighter pilot during the Battle of Britain and all that, who is now like, you know, he kind of lived for the rush of it and he now just doesn't know what to do with his life and mm-hmm. Rachel Weiss plays the the young wife of a very old judge who is, you know, extremely bored in her marriage and falls for this pilot and uh, it was good. I liked it. And then I watched what else? Oh, and then The Wise Kids is the last of the movie things that I did with I loved. Uh, it's so much, right? He just no, really like he he gets it like in a yeah. way that I've never seen on screen. I mean, you know, we talked about like Saved as as an example of like a movie where clearly the person who wrote Saved spent a significant amount of time mm-hmm. in like the evangelical Christian world because he like you know it's 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 observational in a way that you wouldn't have access to if you hadn't been there, right? Right. Uh, but this movie is a whole other level of <laughs> yep. uh, in a way that was almost tough to watch. Yep. Um, but it's like super, super well done, and everyone in it was so good. So good. Allison uh, and I watched The Wise Kids when we were doing, you know, weekly movie watches, and we were watching bad Christian movies. And we just saw the description, oh, right. and we're like, okay, yeah, I know, this is what I and we And like, we're like partway through, we're like, holy shit. Like, what is happening? <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do still slightly prefer Henry Gamble's birthday party, but um, yeah, they both. have that one on there. I'm, I'm going to get to it, and then also in another one of his called Princess Sid. I think. Yes, Princess Sid is great. It doesn't have the got, religious. Yeah, I'm planning on getting to both of those, but yeah, honestly, it kind of it kind of reminded me of um, of when when I watched Patrick Wang's movies on on Mubi. Yes. Uh, it had kind of a similar, like, just extremely low key, like super well-observed, compassionate, humanist outlook on the world that I feel like is almost impossible to find in movies. Yeah. It is really, yeah, really no. fascinating. And really honestly, beautiful. I will I will be like as as dead on as The Wise Kids is, which it is in so many ways. Um, I, I think Henry Gamble actually is maybe even more so. Like yeah. there is just, I mean, you know, it's a few years later. He's had some time to also Stephen Cohen, the director, Truly just can't recommend him enough. And he's such a nice guy. When I watched Henry Gamble's birthday party and was like losing my entire mind, <laughs> Nev and I watched it. And it was just like, anyway, I would lose my entire mind. I actually, I DM'd him on Twitter. I was just like, this was amazing. Like, whatever. And we talked for a couple of days and it was really sweet of him to oh, nice. <laughs> engage with me while I was freaking out about his movies. Um, so, yeah, he's just he seems like just a completely lovely man. Um, and yeah, and Henry Gamble's birth, like the wise kids is like a story that takes place over, I don't know, a couple days or something like, no, no, it's several months. It's, several it's months. over a whole summer leading up to them going that's to right, college. That's right. And Henry, then the finale of it takes place during the Christmas break. It's a, it's another, it's a stealth Christmas movie. Right. Henry Gamble's birthday party takes place in an afternoon. Right. And the way that, the way that he manages, like so many, like all of the things people say that like, you know what they mean, but they're not saying like, it's, mm-hmm. it's fucking incredible. I can't wait until you watch that one too, but I'm so glad you liked the Wise Kids. Yeah. I think, uh, I think next, next weekend I'll be watching that. So next time we record, I'll, awesome. I'll, I will have watched that one unless, you know, if something goes wrong and I miss it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. That's, that's all of the movie stuff that I've watched. Uh, we talked about Luca. Uh, I actually, 
I actually saw In the Heights again. Okay. <laughs> uh, because May and I desperately needed to go somewhere with air conditioning oh, during no, the, okay. the heat wave. And so we had we were both home on Monday and we had just kind of hung around the apartment most of the time on Saturday and Sunday with the dog because we felt bad leaving the dog home. Yeah. Uh, but Monday, her daycare was open. Oh. So we took the dog to daycare for the nice. day and the two of us went to places that had air conditioning. Nice. Uh, so we went and that was kind of the only thing playing that there really isn't much playing right now. It was also very uh, long. So, <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I liked it well enough and, and May was interested in it. So we would see that. Uh, and I, I think I, I think I liked it a little more the second time, which Good. is not uncommon for me with musicals because I what I have a difficulty with musicals because I have a hard time understanding lyrics the first time I hear yeah. songs, and so you know I I caught a lot more of what was being said. Well, and of course time. in this case a bunch of the lyrics are in Spanish too, so right? Like, which, you know, which is fine, but it that, just but, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I liked it a lot. Good. Uh, I, I still don't like the ending. Uh, All right. Well, I, I still. I guess I won't say because I don't want to spoil it, but I still think it should have gone differently. But other than that, okay. I liked it. Uh, let's see. We talked about Fear Street. Um, on 4th of July, Jared came over and we watched Jaws. Okay. Which is still a perfect movie. Um, also, I'm just noticing on here uh, that I watched Jaws and The Deep Blue Sea both on the 4th of July, which is funny because the other Deep Blue Sea movie is a giant shark movie yes. as well. <laughs> that wasn't fun to watch. <laughs> oh, um... Judas and the Black Messiah is back on HBO now. Oh, cool. So I finally got to watch that. Great. Uh, which is fantastic. Excellent. I loved it. Uh, I, I, I can't believe that I didn't watch it the first time it was on there, that I didn't jump on the opportunity. But That is a shame. It's so good. Daniel Kaluuya is amazing. That mm-hmm. uh, I, I really hope that his current trajectory continues and he gets all kinds of roles because he's great. Yeah. And Plus he's King, fun to watch give award speeches. That's true, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was not familiar with the director, Shaka King. I think he only had one other feature before this, um, but hopefully this uh, opened a lot of doors for him. Honestly, it was kind of like the the way that the cops in particular, the I mean, there's also like the FBI and all that, but the way specifically the Chicago PD are portrayed in this movie is it's ba- they're basically portrayed the same way that you would portray the Nazis in a movie set during the Holocaust. Absolutely. Uh, which uh, is fascinating to see that from a major studio movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a Warner Brothers movie. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, that, that really stood out to me. It was just, I don't, I don't, I kind of don't understand how this movie got made the way it did, but I'm really glad it did. It was great. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else. Uh, there's the other Fear Street. Uh, last thing, uh, May and I watched the first X-Men movie last night, which okay. I hadn't seen in years and she had never seen. Uh, and honestly, that movie's a blast. I was I was kind of going into it with low expectations because my memory was that it wasn't nearly as good as particularly the second one, mm-hmm. and that it you know it was kind of kind of cheap and maybe not great. But it, honestly, I had so much fun with it. The they did such a good job of they they did the thing that all of the Marvel movies do now, where they they cast all these great actors to deliver all this ridiculous dialogue, and they could all they make it work. Uh, so yeah, I was really into it. I think we're gonna we're we're gonna I don't know if we're gonna watch all of them because <laughs> some of the X Men movies get real bad, but we're gonna watch more of them at least and I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Alright. Uh so yeah, I think that's all. I think okay. that's all I got. Cool. Good stuff. All right. Well, then I guess we will be back in a couple of weeks and talking about science. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I think I own that one still, so that, that'll be an easy one for me. I assume it's easily accessible. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it's rentable, at least. But, uh... All right. Well, we'll talk to you all later. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.